Where are we at? June 8th, Tuesday here, episode 83 of the Hezzy, brought to you by basketballgods.net. Tom Thibodeau won the coach of the year yesterday. I was surprised, man. I don't agree with that. I thought he was the least deserving of the three finalists, right? It was Quinn Snyder, Monty Williams, and Tom Thibodeau. I think Tibbs' case was the element of surprise, right? The Knicks were the surprise team. But did they make the biggest leap? Was it the most impressive? I don't think so. I thought it was Monty's to win, man. I thought it was Monty's to win um, as far as what they did overall. And it's obviously a very subjective thing. You're not necessarily just looking at wins. You've got to look at roster. You've got to look at uh, overcoming stuff. You know, all all that. I get it. I get it. The Knicks, they were a few games of being in the play-in, right? And so I definitely think that there was a big market East Coast bias when it came to that vote. So I was surprised. That's his second you know, I don't know, man. I, I felt like you give, I don't know. I, I, I didn't like the call on that. I didn't like the call on that. And that's no hate towards Tibbs. Nets, Bucks, game two. Bucks come out. You expect them to be the hungry, aggressive team, right? To redeem themselves from game one humiliation. Not only did they look tight, to me, they looked intimidated. That's what I saw. I saw a team that was intimidated by the Brooklyn Nets. Saw them pulling the string on everything. And well, I mean, what does there say? There's not really a whole lot to talk about as far as the game. It was a wash. Has Giannis peaked? Right? We're going to start. We're going to enter this phase. We're going to have to have these conversations. It sounds crazy, I know. But I think my guy All Blue said it best on my Patreon. His talent has probably gotten in the way of his development. His talent has probably gotten in the way of his development. As likable as Giannis is, this is the stage in his career where the general fan is going to turn on him. He's no longer a fresh face. He's had plenty of opportunities on the big stage, and he has come up short time and time again. We're going to start to hear the overrated label being thrown around, and he can no longer rest on his potential. What's the Jay-Z bar? First they love you, then they hate you, then they love you again. And I think we're going to see Giannis enter that hate phase right now, and hopefully it just inspires him. I hope that this is the turning point for him where this offseason, he just goes and sees Hakeem and he commits to being a real center. Just be a center. Develop a go-to move in the post, maybe a little face-up game at the, at the elbow, a little jumper there, and just forget about the threes. Forget about it, Giannis. Your nickname is the freak. What is a freak? A freak is different, right? A freak is not like others. Every other big man wants to shoot threes and and handle and dance with the ball. You're different. Be the freak that you are and go in the paint and handle business that way. I think at this point, it's going to be clear. So maybe this is, maybe taking a licking like this is a blessing in disguise long-term for Giannis. Potential is a dirty word, right? You only have it for so long. Right now, you look at like Luca, Trey, they're, they're kind of playing with house money right now, right? Because there's still a fresh face. There's still so much potential. No one's going to, throw too much shade or hate at them at this point for not winning or going deep into the playoffs. That's the reality. Giannis has left that phase. As for the Nets, man, look, as spectacular as KD has looked, he's been in kill mode. I think we have to keep an eye on him physically. I've watched so much Kevin Durant. To me, there's something going on with his posture and balance. Like he's, he's hunched over. There's, there's, 
There's something going on with his posture and balance. That's the best way I can I can put it. And something seems off in his movements. I know that sounds crazy, the way he's lighting it up. Maybe this is just who he is post Achilles and at this age. Maybe that maybe I just have to adjust. This is his new baseline. I hope it is. But I'm a little anxious watching him play out there because, again, my eyes tell me there's something off with the balance and posture. So the Nets come out. They hang 36 in the first. It just looked like they killed their belief and confidence way quicker than I think anybody could have imagined. Um, and you, you just look at the way that the Bucks cut through that Miami team. How, do, how does Miami feel watching this? Shit. I'm shocked at how timid and intimidated they looked out there. They looked afraid to compete against this team. I know by now you have probably all seen some of these Blake Griffin memes, right? Where's the Kevin Nash with the the, the fake cast and he gets up out of the wheelchair. There, there's a there's a bunch of them and they're great. They're great. But I, I do think that this is an interesting study in motivation, belief, and your surroundings, right? Because the, the running joke is that, you know, Blake Griffin was all of a sudden, miraculously, he feels better again. He's healthy and, he's, and he wants to play. So it's like, was he dogging it in Detroit or was Detroit just sucking the life out of him? Because I feel like being around the greatness of those other three has changed his mindset and that maybe has healed his body. It's a balancing act of, of your belief, your mind, your spirit, and then your body reacting to that as well. And so I think that there's a lot of that going on with Blake and perhaps he was dogging it some in Detroit, right? But I don't know if he was consciously doing it is my point, right? I think that maybe he was depressed. What's the point? And, and the body wasn't responding. But again, the mind is so powerful when you have belief, when you are inspired, it can heal the body. Chris Middleton, is he going to be on the trade block, right? Would he start off 0 of 8? I know he woke up later in the second half, but at that point it was too late, right? And as we see all these trade rumors start to swirl as more and more teams enter the offseason, you imagine Chris Middleton's going to be heavily involved in these talks because he's kind of the only piece that they can move. You just signed Drew. You're not moving him. I know they have some fringe players they could trade, but Middleton is the guy that you could get something significant back for. I just have a hard time seeing them getting anything back that's any better. He, he fits, right? He's a, a versatile wing. He doesn't need the ball all the time. He's a tough shot maker. He's a decent, versatile defender. How do you get that back? What, what's the answer? Because he's not so good that he's going to get you the kitchen sink back. He's not going to get you a ton of stuff back. He'll get you a player of equal value, maybe. So I don't know. I mean, I guess the obvious thing that's going to change is Bud. Bud and his sour, puckered-up face is going to be, you know, buried on somebody else's bench next season. Or either that or a Ren and Stimpy character. You know when they zoom in on those? Uh, maybe I'm missing some of y'all. Some of y'all are probably too young for the Ren and Stimpy reference. But, but, but in his puckered up face, man, it's a rapidy rap for him. That's the obvious move. But I'm just looking at their personnel and they're kind of locked into this, right? The irony is there was all this... Uh, question about the roster moving forward is Giannis. Giannis signs the Supermax. They lock into Drew Holiday, and now they're getting their cheeks pulled apart in the second round. Obviously, I was dead wrong about how this was going to go down, right? You know, and and I don't have a problem being wrong. Like, when you do what I do, and I, I'm here talking hoops with y'all every day, I'm going to have some misses. That's part of doing what I do. I'm just disappointed because whether you picked the Nets or the Bucks headed into this series, I think we all thought we were going to be in for a good series, some actual competitive basketball. I guess not.
What it is, it's just been a complete sunning, to use a Brooklyn and New York term, right? I was clowning about Paul George trying to sun the Mavericks after that game seven the other day. This is the type of series where you go and you put your hand on the top of all these dudes' heads, right? Because that's what it looks like. They're getting sunned by the playground gods themselves in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. What's this news that's coming out today? They may load manage. <laughs> that would be <laughs> that would be crazy. I don't know if you want to play with the play with the basketball gods like that. I, I don't know. There's there's rumors that Kyrie may sit a game here or there. That'd be nuts. You want to talk about disrespect? I, that's playing with fire. I think Nash knows better than that, but it seems like that would be tempting fate a little bit or, or just a little too arrogant. But you know what? I, I Look, I knew Durant, Kyrie, Harden when he's healthy. I knew those guys were going to cook regardless. That wasn't the question surrounding this Nets team. To me, it was their leadership. And I just didn't expect them to lead well. I didn't think they would have the chemistry and get the others to buy in like this, right? And so you got to give them credit. They've got everybody playing hard and playing their parts. I think you also have to give credit to to the front office for the type of guys they brought in. Mike James, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, tough-minded dudes that most importantly, they know their roles. They know who they are as players, right? Because you think if they had Levert and Dinwiddie in this rotation, they'd be this good right now. And I'm not dissing Levert or Dinwiddie. They're both very nice players. But my point is, those are young guys who have aspirations of being stars. They want the ball. They want bigger roles. The shuffling of this team and the load management, as suspect as it was, it seems like they, they've caught lightning in a bottle. It's almost the perfect storm the Blake Griffin rejuvenation, right? And all these tough dudes that, that just want to hoop and they're, and they're willing to play their part. Durant and Kyrie have their batteries charged, right? They believe this is their time. So it's a scary thing to see, man. But then, you know, everybody's going to throw out the saying, a playoff series hasn't started until someone's won on the road. That's fine. That's fine, right? But the context of how those two games went, right? It, it feels like the Bucks don't believe. That's the problem. I know Giannis is trying to say the right things, but when you watch the games, it says something different. It, it, it looks like they don't believe they can win. And so, look, I, I'm sure the Bucks in either game three or four are going to come out and hit 23s and they'll get one. As far as this being a series, I'm not seeing the belief. I'm not seeing the fight. It's, it's happening too easy. Maybe that's the danger, right? Maybe this is all coming too easy to the Nets. And the real question is, are they going to relax here? Are they going to take their foot off the gas? And give the Bucks any life because that might be their only chance. Don't look like Queen and Slim plan on it though, right? Oh, did I did I did I just call Ky Kyrie and Katie is what I meant. No. Now you know I gotta get some shit off here, but uh, but yeah, man, I, I guess I'm just a little salty because I just got done saying I I I don't mind being wrong, but we all like being right too, right? And I was someone who took a strong stance that said when this all came together that it was gonna go up and smoke. I could not see this working out. And here they are looking so dominant. So I guess maybe there's some salt with that. But I don't mind seeing the Nets advance because they're such a fun team to watch. Like it's a good storyline. But again, we need competitive games. That that's what's got me salty, ultimately. Suns Nuggets. Early on, did you see Aiton with the big dunk? That was a statement dunk, right? He damn near lost his leg. Thank God he got his leg out from under him. But that was a statement like, yo, I'm here. I'm here. And then you saw Porter Jr. go right back at him. This is a fun matchup, man. This is a fun matchup. Now, the story early on was the strategy from Monty Williams and the Sun 
was to play Nikola Jokic straight up with DeAndre Ayton. And I agree with it. Because, look, if DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick, mind you, is going to be who you want him to be, he has to take that matchup straight up. Now, I'm not saying he has to win it, but he's got to take it. And he more than held his own last night, right? That's the storyline. He not only hung, but he matched Jokic's production. Here's the thing, though. You saw Jokic, he had, what, three assists last night? That's he, Jokic gets three assists in three minutes sometimes. What we're going to see from him in game two is we're going to see a super aggressive Jokic because typically he invites the double team, right? That's the way he plays and racks up those assists. He welcomes the double because he always gets it. He knows it's coming and then he can pick you apart and the Suns weren't playing that game. And so what we're going to see in this game too is he's going to come out and he's going to really try to force them to double by taking it to eight. At least that's what he needs to do, right? It's funny because towards the end of the regular season, I think it was a matchup against the Lakers where Aiton just looked awful. AD just bullied him. And it was just a, you know, a week before the playoffs, and you're like, oh, man, he's not ready. I know I said it. I was like, dude, he's getting punked. He just may not be ready. But again, Aiton's still living in the potential bubble, right, where he, he's going to get a pass here for another few years. So it's like, oh, I don't know, man, if he's going to be ready for the, the playoffs. And here we are in the second round, and he keeps passing all these little check marks where it's like, oh, okay, keeps passing these tests. If he can still guard aggro Jokic straight up, the series is over, right? If they don't have to send the double the entire series and, and he can kind of hang, obviously you're not going to shut him down, but he doesn't like go off completely. It's a rapidy rap, I think. But if I had to guess, what I think will happen is Jokic will get him in foul trouble. Jokic will get him in foul trouble and that will be the issue. And this will turn into a competitive series. At least I hope, right? I think we need it considering what's happened over in Brooklyn. We'll talk Chris Paul here in a minute. Did you see Aaron Gordon on Devin Booker last night? I bet you Bob Myers and a bunch of these GMs in the Western Conference did. Because I think he's going to give Book problems all series long. I really do. I think that that's a problematic matchup for Devin Booker. Because he can move with them laterally and he's bigger and stronger. Because usually Booker, he either has a quickness advantage or a strength advantage. Right? And you see him figure that out in certain matchups as it goes on. With Gordon, he's got neither. And so that's a tough matchup. And if you've been paying attention quietly since Gordon has come out West, you could make the argument he's guarded Booker, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis as good as we've seen anybody. And so I think he's solidified his bag this offseason. Like, if you're able to guard Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi, never mind the offense, never mind that awkward three. So Chris Paul, he started off the game putting up bricks, right, in I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like he's kind of had to change the set point in his release since the shoulder injury. It's almost like a shot put. It seems like it's it's coming from his shoulder, an angle, rather than centered in front of his body. But I don't know. Sometimes it's the angle of the cameras. I don't know. But he, he wasn't shooting well. Fourth quarter starts, and he takes over. Porter Jr. switched on him, walks him down into a midi two times in a row. Next time down, he takes the three that he had been passing up all game, net. And then you saw the crowd start to get rolling, and it was a wrap. He, you know, what do you have, like 18 in the fourth quarter? But the crowd, it was interesting to see that now in these playoffs. It's been so long. It's, it's like a foreign, foreign effect in some of these games. Chris Paul, I think, might have the nastiest in-and-out move in the league at, what, 36 years old? It's crazy to say. Now, I know Kyrie is right there 
And I'm not mad at you if you say Kyrie's is better, but I don't think defenders bite as hard on Kyrie's because when a guy is trying to guard Kyrie, they're more cautious, right? They're like, man, I, I don't want to, I don't want my ankles taken, right? They're almost wary to, to defend him. And so they don't react as hard at times where Chris Paul at this stage, I think guys think they can guard him and the way he hits that in and out with, with such momentum downhill. I mean, he, and he makes dudes look like they got shot in the hammy with that in and out, man. And he started to get to cooking and it's just a fun matchup, man. I, I like to see all these new faces in the spotlight. Porter Jr., Booker, Aiton. It's just, it's refreshing. It's a series that we need. And so I hope it's a competitive one where everybody can stay healthy. Tonight, game two, Sixers, Hawks. Curious to see how Joel is moving after that first game back. You'd imagine the Hawks will cool off from, from three-point range, but shit, I can't call it. I'm, who knows? With the swagger and confidence they're playing with, you know, but I mean, is it a must-win for the Sixers? Probably. And then late you get Clippers Jazz game one, where I don't really know what to expect in this series. I really don't. I guess my question would be is, how much does Kawhi have left in the tank? You, you know, you always hear about the load management and when he chooses to flip the switch. Now in round two, I'm just curious to see how fresh he looks after a seven-game series. And then, of course, what is the status of Mike Conley? Is he a go at what capacity? We'll find out, right? That's why they play the games. This is The Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.